Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks, I am Carl Hartley and I'm Max Peterson, yeah. this movie's shitty Oh my god Sorry Thank you for, yeah. when you texted me I wasn't sure if you were like gonna well, I was gonna, I, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna text you like, don't understand why you didn't like this movie, slut. It's just so good, You're such a bitch. Me why and, are you being such a turd? Me and Bird have spent. Uh, let's see, I watched it two days ago. Yeah. Me and Bird have spent the last. Well, I watched it three days ago in the, at night, and for the last two solid days, Bird and I have been walking around. And every time we see each other, I'm like, oh, sluts, what's up, what's slut? Up, slut, bitch, what is? Uh, uh, we've been calling Trinity bitch. Not we've been calling Trinity nothing but bitch for days. That is amazing. <laughs> Okay. And this movie's fairly new. It is. Here's what we're talking about. Today we're talking about we're we're in Sofia Coppola month. Yes. We're rocking on through. Can't wait to get out of it. I'm, you know what? I'm excited. I'm still excited for the Virgin Suicide. So am I. And I'm I mean, still I just excited. watched it. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it a couple days ago. Okay. Um, I haven't spun it yet. Don't don't spoil me on this one because mm, I no. did. I did come into the Bling Ring with some. That's what we're watching today. We watched the Bling Ring, 2013, directed by Sofia Coppola, starring um, Emma Watson. I don't ever know how to say her name, but I absolutely love her. Um, Taisa Farmiga. I think so. Taisa. Taisa. I think it's Taisa Farmiga. I know her primarily from the first season of American Horror Story, in which she is fucking right. peerless, dude. She's amazing. What an and she's honestly she's awesome in this too. Mm-hmm. And I, th- that's one thing we're gonna talk about. A lot of the performances are great, but I hate this movie so much. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Leslie Mann is in it. Israel Broussard plays. Um, uh, I'm glad I've forgotten his name. I think it's Mac. Yeah, and Katie Chang. Um, so this is is based on a true story about a bunch of here and like a one it was like a one article blip on it's based like on a, an article yeah well this did actually happen it did happen it did occur but, yeah, in Hollywood like, oh my god okay and some of the actual celebrities houses that they go to in this are the actual celebrity like Paris Hilton yeah. was like one of their first targeted homes and she, her house features prominently in this yeah film. it sure um, does did they actually shoot on location in these celebrities homes do I know? don't know I didn't care enough to I look I didn't really care enough and if they did <sighs> so fucking what like yeah. I don't really um, care enough so so here's here's a couple things about this movie just right off the top of my head. One, you know how like when you you know like uh, based on the novel, yes, you know uh, based the, on the factual evidence or whatever. Or yeah, some of some are based on like histor like the historic life right. of you know like Darkest Hour. You know Gary Oldman. This is not Darkest Hour. You know, no. it's like this is based on the life of Winston Churchill and historical events. And then there's other movies. <laughs> the last two days of World War. II. Yeah, and then there's like yeah. the Siege of Trenchers Farm, which for a book from which we get Straw Dogs, or like you know an adaptation of Master and Commander. I don't know why oh, those right. are the books I'm grabbing. Uh, those sorry, are though. so <laughs> obscure. I, what about Lord of the Rings? Right. Sherlock Holmes, like novel. Anyway. Yeah. This is based on a like a van- is it a Vanity Fair? I think it's a Vanity Fair article. It's based on an article. About, and then it was like a blip on like Entertainment Tonight or something. Yeah, for, and they show some. Uh, I don't know if those T. I think some of the TMZ clips are legit. Yeah, it's TM. So it's TMZ grabbed onto it for a little bit. It was on like <sighs> Entertainment Tonight. I think Entertainment Weekly had a little bit of a like a one page thing on it, uh-huh. and then it was local news in LA because when people were discovering their homes broken into, right? But. At the end of the day, the historical evidence is down to like one article that ran in Vanity Fair, which this is based on. This movie is like, 
it's because it, there's that it, it it is very that you know how in Hollywood news the news churns over like every five minutes. Yeah, exactly. And there's always like these little blips and fashion pieces and and in a weird way on the surface because here's what this the movie is about a bunch of shitty local la kids not quite rich enough not quite famous enough hollywood kids right it's a bunch of hollywood kids who are they all want to live like stars but none of them have any talent or drive or goals or mm-hmm. anything at but they're all all doing so much better than you or i are doing correct but like, it's mostly because they have money yeah they're exactly. rich kids these are well that's just it that, i mean yeah they have the, all of the they're they're spoiled, bored, rich kids. Yes. And what they start doing is they go online. They uh, there's the one girl that is like the. I'm gonna go ahead and say I no I have no names. I don't at all. either. I didn't care enough. This I I liked the movie for about five minutes. That's about where yeah it started off. I'm like ooh it started security pretty, footage. They're walking yeah. in backwards to hide their faces. I, and then the <clears throat> the music comes in. It sounded like a burglar alarm. Oh my god! Yeah, that and guitar. I was, yeah, I was that like, was oh, awesome. This is fucking sweet. It this is the, gonna be great. It had this indie score. Uh, yeah, and it had um. And then there's that, like, it's Emma Watson playing so hard against type, yes. where she's sitting on the couch, and she goes, this has been a huge learning lesson for me, and I was like, or no, she's in front of the news reporter, yes. the second she said learning lesson, I'm like, this movie's gonna be hilarious. Yes. But it's and not. And then though. it doesn't, then no, it, it does not. No, it absolutely does all. not deliver. But, um, so they go into, they find out when celebrities are out of town. And then they, the ease with which they break into celebrities' homes is It's ridiculous. Stunning. No one locks their homes in Hollywood. Uh-uh. What really shocks me is that Paris Hilton leaves her dog and her monkey unattended. unattended. I was thinking that too. Like, wouldn't she have a handler or something? Maybe someone like pops by once a day to like feed the monkey. But and I'm they like, would they would know enough to know when to not be there. That was the like this this whole movie just enraged me. You'll, we'll get into it. But mm-hmm. like the thing that got me, one of the things that got me most, I was like. Paris Hilton should be in prison for animal cruelty. Yeah, no She's shit. in Venice. She's in another country. For and like her, a month. And her monkey's in like a four by four cage. Fuck you. Yeah. Of course, I didn't never liked Paris Hilton to start <laughs> no. with. One of the best parts of our House of Wax episode was watching her die. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> <laughs> and she actually does. She actually does show up in this too briefly as, in a cameo. Like she doesn't have oh, a speaking yeah, 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 role yeah. or anything. Once yeah. at the at the club. Yep. She is drinking at the bar, and then once. I'm like a news clip or she's something? in a she's they do a lot of archive footage That's in this right, movie. Yeah. So she's in one piece of archive footage and she has a non-speaking. I think that's funny because anybody who knows about like how Hollywood works and how casting works and how you get paid. The second you open your mouth, you get a bump because yep. you have a speaking role. Exactly. I think it's hilarious that they did not. Like, give, we're not gonna. They gave you have Paris. Do you want me on, to like say something? Do you want me like, like say say some words? No. Okay. Don't well, talk, I have... stop talking. This, this is based on my life. <laughs> Did she? This movie is based on my life. I should was be she, able to talk about. Is she it. the one? <laughs> was she the one we were in the that Patreon episode? Where we were making fun of her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they watched House of Wax and they're like, she can't. She, she can't, can't even manage two non no. non word syllables. So. No, just sh- just drink have the you, drink. Have you heard her try to say just ew? It comes out like, eh, eh, and you're like, oh. wow, you're so no. I'm your speaking role for We're gonna say you. no. Do I get a stun bump for drinking alcohol? Because alcohol is like poison. Do I get a stun? You know what? Yeah, sure. Sure, we're we'll gonna give, give you an extra ten dollars. Ten dollar. Do you see me going twenty? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, wow, <laughs> it's way out the ballpark. Okay. Uh, 
So but, this okay. Wait, some, this movie might actually be <laughs> one of those episodes. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's gonna get pretty dark here pretty okay, soon look, for me. Look. Um. Okay. I, let's check in on Sofia Coppola because okay. this is you've seen four. Pretend you have just. I really don't want you to spoil me on the the Virgin Suicide. Okay. It's the only one I gave a shit about about like seeing. So okay, I want to see enough. it clean. I'm gonna try and like erase that. So these three. Yes. It, we had the um, the beguiled, the beguiled, the bl- the bling ring, and Marie Antoinette. Yes. And we've talked we talked about in the Marie Antoinette episode that we have been having trouble with Sofia Coppola. Mm-hmm. This I hope is the the nadir for me. Part of me is like, is it because we're two like dudes watching? I this? don't think so because Bird was Bird was sitting at her desk. Although to be fair, Bird is I would I would say Bird is an atypical woman. Sure, but like th- this movie. What it? I just sat there livid the whole time. No, I was and angry. It wasn't this just movie. the 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 girls in this movie mm. that drove me fucking insane. The fucking insane. kid, the boy. It was the boy. It was any. There's very few male characters. The adults pissed me off. The the adults pissed me off. The filmmaking pissed me off. Yes. The, everything about this movie just made me feel the way they smoke cigarettes pisses me off. They smoke the wettest. Cigarettes like kids had never smoked before, putting the whole filter in their mouth and just like I didn't it's a see lollipop. A single cigarette in here. I thought. Oh, every, they smoked a bunch. Everything I saw them smoke was joints. Oh, it's a joint. Mm-hmm. It looked like a cigarette. Yeah, they're the they're the, the skinny fat. they're the skinny joints. Ah, but I but they're I, still they're they're. Yeah, I didn't see a. I don't think there's a cigarette in this movie. They're all joints. Which did you did you pick up on how much weed they're smoking? It's all the weed. All they do all is all the weed in L.A. Is, right now. I'm gonna go ahead and say right now because it's legal for me to do so. I love weed. Like smoking weed is fucking great. But watching them do it, I was like, outlaw this shit. Yeah, I know. These kids are wrecking their lives. Yeah, no, I had the exact same reaction, man. Like, it's like this is why there needs to be laws for this kind of shit. Fucking no, I hated this movie because it made me feel like a stodgy old man. Where I was just like, these kids and they're smoking their reefers and they're they're breaking into people's homes. How many how many reefers have you done today? (laughs) You two, you on two reefers? It's too too many reefers. (laughs) Okay, look. Yeah, if you're smoking two full J's a day and yeah. you're like, but they're constantly they're smoking 18. them while they're on the job, they're in bed, quote, yeah, unquote. smoking in bed, smoking on the beach, smoking in their cars. Yeah. Well, okay. then again, they can probably afford to buy like two pounds of weed a day, right? And that's why also why they're smoking J's, which is kind of wasteful. Although also my favorite way to consume right. marijuana. All right, let's go to the to my top note. Okay. I hadn't really seen it before. You guys, you and Bird have both called it out. Bird has been our special guest on the previous two episodes. She's my wife. Um, Sophia Coppola has a fucking shoe obsession. Yes, she does. You're totally, totally right. Hey, look, more shots of shoes. There's the opening montage of this when they break into Paris Hilton's house for the second time. Mm-hmm. First time, second time. And the movie jumps around a little bit in time, not too bad. The the opening montage shows them burgling. They spend a house. most of their time in Paris. Oh my house. god, dude! There, of the six minutes that the of the opening montage, I'll bet four is shoes. Oh, mostly just shoes. Running shots of now. This movie I mentioned it in Marie Antoinette. Yeah, this movie is pornography. I know. I, I made that note because yeah. you. That is such a perfect term for what this is. Um, now can, I'm going to jump down to a note really quick. Um. I, I I wrote down I ask myself again because I've had I had this note on Marie Antoinette and I have the the same note here and I did read some of the I read all of the positive and all of the negative reviews on Vudu cool. where I rented it um and you know the the positive reviews for this movie are places like the New York Times and the Guardian 
And I don't trust their film reviews because they're pretty much those those for me those publications are bought and sold. Yes. Sofia Coppola is a big name. They probably get they probably get probably get some Zotro whatever studios. You don't if you're the New York Times you don't want to burn bridges with hot filmmakers, right? Right. So I don't I don't look at those, but we all do. Of, oh my god, <laughs> we just we've got nothing but Molotov cocktails we next. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you talked about bird dragon burning bridges home with their measuring flicks. We've got entire like <laughs> fleets of bridges just dragging by. Us. We're up front in the the arch flagships, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Jim Jarmusch, just, right. just dragging just, filmmakers' yes. careers behind us in flames. <laughs> <laughs> singing pirate songs exactly and just yo ho ho you got the bill palm bar cart and just like <laughs> fuck yeah man yeah but we will but and we call out movies. here's what it is we're totally honest yeah. we call out movies we like and if people are like so here's a hot new film by a hot young filmmaker we're like bolt garbage it's garbage this horse garbage shit. let's <laughs> rip it apart for two hours yeah. <laughs> just lobbing bombs Go. man yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I wrote my here's my here's my point here's my question and this actually I I watched the movie and then read the reviews. Okay, my note is in like half of the negative reviews and I wrote down what is the point of this zero, and in the positive reviews that I read is like the point is that there is no point that this is what society in Hollywood has come to that you can make a film about nothing and it's become successful and then I'm like you're bringing all of that. There to are this. movies about nothing. Yes. Clerks, mm-hmm. Slacker, mm-hmm. Uh, some people's Century of Life. Lost in Translation, which Lost is another Sofia Coppola and movie. Uh, now we're both working on Memory, but Lost in Translation, an excellent film yes. about nothing. God, the- I'm so worried. I'm, I'm still excited. Act, I'm but, still yeah. excited, man. Um, so look, what I, I, what I ask myself when I watched Marie Antoinette and what I ask myself when I watched this, it, I, I kind of, I mean, look, I, I understand what, I actually, no, it's not true. I understood what she was doing, I think, in Marie Antoinette. I don't know what she feels here. Are, is this meant to be a biting criticism of these kids and of this celebrity fame culture that's going on in LA? Or, and I hate to say it, I, I'm, I'm going to say this, mm-hmm. I think, I've, I'm uncomfortable saying this. I think, and Bert agrees with me, that Sofia Coppola is enamored with these kids and sees something poetic and beautiful in their ennui and it's not really that's my read too she i think that she admires them i think they're meant to be our protagonists i won't i won't talk about the film the uh virgin suicides but i did watch some of like old behind the scenes interviews and footage okay and that was relevant go for it yeah it's it's one of her first it was her her first first film yeah and in the interview footage with her specifically, and granted, she's much younger, right? But she she comes across as such a uh, like a poof, like the, like there's nothing there. She's very superficial, and like the reason she wanted to make the movie, it's like pretty much she just wanted to make a movie and just like I just wanted to like uh, like there's nothing. That's not, how it comes. Like across. she comes across like that. I just watched like two minutes of interview footage with of her when she was like in her late teens early 20s whenever she made virgin suicide right but like seeing that interview and i had the bling ring in my head i'm like wow there is very little substance there from her as a direct and i think that she loves this she loves the shoes she loves the the hollywoodness i mean she she was raised and and grew up in in hollywood for sure and with like (laughs) hollywood elite like Francis Ford Coppola is like her father, her father, right. and one of the most prestigious filmmakers that has ever 
American filmmakers. Nick, Nicholas Cage and Nicholas Cage's brother, yeah. right? So, so it's like she's like, in, she's in the, and so she's raised in that, and so Prada and all of that sort of the things that you and I would never even be able to afford on a garage sale. Yeah, there, there's so many parts of this movie that are just characters listing off brand names. Yes, and fondling yes. Th- so much of fondling this movie stuff. is fondling clothes. Oh my gosh, look at this bag! All oh, these shoes! Oh my god, what this! About, oh my, there's a line. Look! Oh my god, look how much stuff she has. Yeah, and it's it's uttered with awe and respect yeah. and envy. And I, I wasn't getting it when they were going through the the women's closets, but when they um, was it Orlando Bloom's the house, Rolexes, the Rolex, yeah. when they pulling out his drawers, the pornography started to work for me because I got a little bit of like, ooh, wouldn't it be nice to have a drawer full of really nice watches? I but honestly, then but then I was like, no, it really wouldn't. I would just what are you going to do with a bunch of nice gonna, watches? But, but there is that moment though when you're there like, there is yeah. We're, we all want material things. Definitely. We can try and, and, and be better than that. It's how we're wired. But we're wired for that. But there are those moments in the morning, in the Orlando, Orlando Bloom's house, and they are, they're, yeah, that Rolex drawer and some of his clothes. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I honestly don't. But then I felt dirty and fucking like, no, my life is fine. I, yeah. I, on, I honestly don't. Now, if they'd gone and robbed like... Um, the lead guitarist of the Black Keys, like his vinyl collection, or, or taking something. all of his guitars or something, <laughs> yeah, you know? Like, and they're like, they're like, oh, look at this vintage Ampeg amplifier that he's got here. I'd be like, <laughs> oh like, my god, steal it, kids! Like the hard jerk, going take it, <laughs> take it, fence it to me, fence <laughs> you know? Like, fence it. Oh, and you just keep rewinding the scene, right? Yeah. Like Emma Watson gets down, she's like, oh my god, but it's you... a it's a Fender Vibrolux from 1965 <laughs> with the original spring reverb. I'd be it. like. Oh, I would rob him so hard. <laughs> but but no, you know yeah. that there is a a fairly large percentage of the population that watches this movie and just fawns like they fall all over it and love it because they're the ones that watch. I'm not judging, but like yeah. the TM you watch TMZ all day. All you do is Keeping follow up with the Kardashians. And you keep up all that my, bullshit. My brother used to have a girlfriend who watched religiously watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Right, and it it is weird because everything else about her fairly normal right if you'd asked me like hey do you think she watches keeping reality tv i'd have said no yeah i'd have been like no definitely not she's not that kind of girl but i would come home from work all the time and or i'd wake up and she'd have it dvr'd and she'd be watching she loved keeping up with the kardashians and like real housewives that's what she watched why do i feel like that zombifies people i because it fucking does because there's no substance to this right one of my biggest complaints with this movie i mean i Let's be real. I have a hundred million. No, I know. But my 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 biggest complaint about this movie is there is there are there are no characters. Okay, there's Emma Watson's in this and Taysa Farmiga's in this, but there are no. They're not playing anybody. No, there's there are no characters. There's no characters because there's nothing deeper to these people. And to be totally blunt, there's nothing deeper to this film. This is. As far as my my mind can can recall, this is the shallowest film I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. There are no hidden depths to be sounded. No, you know how you try, you bring things to movies a All lot the time. because you're a filmmaker and a writer, and you you bring certain things to it, and you you see more than other people yeah. see. I tried. I started trying to Max Peterson this movie a bit when I was watching. Like, well, maybe this is more than. And that all of that kept just like washing out to sea. This movie defies yeah, shading, shading and nuance. I I did the same thing it because is I am Max Peterson. Like she loves pastels, the color, the colors, and the, that, the yeah, if, if that the movie's tone. tone is pastel because there isn't really any substance to it, it's kind of pleasant to look at. But at the end of the day, it's just sort of washed out and. Dude, and 
this it's like someone saw it's like someone watched the only the opening scene of Edward Scissorhands and then watched the Stepford Stepford Wives and thought that both of those were like lifestyle statement pieces rather than critiques. Interesting. And they yeah, were, no, okay. that's totally what it fucking is, man. Oh god, it the, the the reason this movie drove me nuts among many is one I f- there are there are two scenes very near the end of this where they're like they're because the kids all get arrested just spoilers right. they get caught one of them they one of them does jail time and mm-hmm. then two of them do prison time yes or three of them do prison time um Mark gets a heavy ass sentence Four years Yeah he gets four years But they're talking to Psychiatrists Or Mark is talking to a psychiatrist What? I was glad So back to club shitbox I don't know <laughs> um, But they're talking There's a moment where they're talking to a psychiatrist And there's a moment where Emma Watson's talking to Emma Watson mostly talks to reporters And Mark talks to like a therapist He's talking to like a, a, a child psychologist Or yes. whatever And he goes He goes Um I just think it's like really bad how society. It's either Emma Watson or him because honestly, there's not there's no one to grab they all onto. Blend together. Yeah, they yeah. all are the same person. So someone says like society wants us to like you know it's really damaging. We see these beauty standards and these lifestyles, and people want to live these lifestyles, and they're unattainable, and like that's what it's. And it feel. I thought at first that it was a studio note, where it was like, uh, look. Ev- I hate everyone in this. We I need, need something. You need to make there be a moral to this, other than like. <laughs> there has to be some point. Yeah. yeah, there has to. Can you put a point in here? Like, how about just put in like, hey, consumerism is damaging. Right. It feels so fucking like, <laughs> like they took a little sign and they were like, here, read this really fast. It's so out of place in the movie because yeah. this movie just worships at the altar of consumerism, and then all of a sudden they're like, like stars. They. It's so hard to like. So hard for them, right? So that. At first I thought studio note, but then I was like, no, there's a weird, and this may, I might be Max Petersoning this, but there's a weird touch of, of, uh, there's a sardonic lilt to that line because it is one of these shitty kids. I think it actually is Emma Watson who's saying it, but there's like, it is the most vapid, most consumerist person ever saying, well, like consumerism's like so bad and if you read it that way with the sardonic in there, it's Sofia Coppola criticizing that criticism. Yes. Which means it's more of just Sofia Coppola being like, you guys, if you guys don't think shoes and owning lots of stuff is great and partying all day, then you're an idiot. Right. So the point of the movie, such an elitist mentality and is garbage. It's infuriating. Yeah. It's totally infuriating. There's, I I can't, part of me wants desperately to see this as like a massive um, uh, uh, pastiche mm-hmm. of that world to see it as paradising and criticizing because we see Mark again and again and they're like, so why did you commit all these heinous crimes where you stole millions of dollars worth of shit and got addicted to coke and one of your friends almost died in a DUI and you all brushed it off? And Mark's response is like, I've just always been really concerned that I wasn't as attractive as as other people. You know, I wanted to be attractive and it's like being attractive. But the way it's said. But you a psychologist, their response is, oh, but you are very attractive. You're an attractive young man. 
It's just and I and again, like I'm telling you, you, you want to watch it as like, oh, this is just such a scathing send up. It isn't. It's not. No. It almost feels like Sofia Coppola is like, isn't it sad that he felt ugly? Wouldn't it? That's be exactly it. It feels. It's all like you need, almost like you need to feel sorry for these kids because I don't know. It's so fucking. It is. Oh God damn it! It's not even fun for like. A heist movie. So, I, so a couple, my brain was trying to do a couple of things to find ways to enjoy it. It's like, well, it isn't doing this, so clearly it must be. Let's just enjoy these kids finding a way to get into these homes. Right. But then they just there is no like oceans elevening it mm-hmm. at all because there is no like oh we need to figure out the security system or watch the guy. They just walk into the ho- the houses and start going in their closets and smoking joints and like oh so that's not fun. No. Do you want do you okay a, a movie of opulence. Any watch yeah. any Bond movie, right? Fuck. But right, we have none of these criticisms about Bond movies. You want to know why? It's because that Bond has depth and nuance, and in a weird way, especially Daniel Craig's Bond, he wears. There's a fucking awesome line in Casino Royale where he and Eva Green are sitting across from each other on a train, and she says, "Excellent." She's looking. She's appraising him, and yes. she talks about his suit, <laughs> and she's like, "It's a beautiful suit." But you wear it with such disdain And it's true Bond has shitloads of nice things But he just abuses them and takes them for granted And he doesn't really care about them And that's part of a very very deep Like there's immense depth to his character yes. And that he is dis- in a weird way He is exactly that He's disdainful of this this opulent opulence, lifestyle yes. And that's what makes him such an effective Bond As he moves through this world And he's like a shark in a in a in a fish tank, you know, so much so that that he even he has to create his own martini. Right. Well, like everyone's <laughs> everyone's bombing around, and his martini, the Vesper. Yes. It's kind of cool because I, you get the sense that Ian Fleming. And by the way, the reason we're talking about this is because the bling ring sucks. Right. <laughs> but the <laughs> Ian Fleming, <laughs> and you know what's terrible is I still want to like or understand Sofia Coppola. Yeah, me too. But Ian Fleming, at you get the sense that he likes the opulence. Yes, he, he very much. He was all about the cars. He would always go. To, he would go to Jamaica and stay at, at right. his Gold at the Nine. Golden Eye while he wrote. Like he was surrounded. He, by, lo- he loved that yes. lifestyle. But there's the new but bond. An appreciation for the luxury, though. That I think that he had. He was aware of. Yeah, and how nice his cigar was, and how nice his typewriter Fleming, was. Fleming. Yeah, yes. yeah. But they. Well, I actually bought the exact same model of typewriter that Ian Fleming wrote all the Bond novels on because I love Ian Fleming and the Bond novels so much. But I love, I love the Daniel Craig era of Bond because it's a postmodern take on Bond, where Bond. Everyone around him is dripping in pearls and dripping in pearls, and he's and he wears Tom Ford cardigans, yes. and he wears you know the the in the new ones it's all it's pretty much Tom Ford bought everything, right. so he's constantly wearing like Tom Ford. Uh, he's driving Aston Martins. He's wearing Tom Ford suspenders and right, glasses yes. and shit. <laughs> he's always got his haircut right and stuff, but. But when he's walking, everyone else around him is like, I just love the luxury, and he you, he's. Part of that world so that he can Move in he's like this Dead I love the shark analogy because No one else in the room is dangerous But mm-hmm. he is I, And I mean he does he He shaves Like with a straight razor He, he knows we see him play Sibo um, when he's in Macau So he knows he's familiar, familiar with, with All, with of, all the, of that the gambling of the world He's he is Of this 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 world of rich opulence, but particularly Craig's Bond is apart from it. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him so compelling to me all the time. Like he has no problem at all. Like go, he's a super brutal bond that there's a stairwell fight in fucking yeah. Casino Royale. We smashes that dude down the stairs. They fall down the stairs and he chokes him to death in front of Eva Green and then gets up and he's like, go find Mathis. Tell him to fucking get a, uh, get a rag for this body. He has no trouble at all chugging a salt shaker so he can vomit in a sink. Yeah. This is not a bond. Who's like, Oh God, I'm sorry. He's, he's not, He's not Roger Moore. No, he's not. I love Roger <laughs> I Moore. Know, Bond, know. But like, but that's that is a a good example of movies that you know you can watch a Bond movie and fall in love with the clothes and the cars mm-hmm. and the locales. And I often no, it's do. Super like, mm, but so at, much. Yeah. But at the same time, th- so the these new Bonds are in a in a very subtle and beautiful way, sort of like. A critique or they will they will like reach out and tap your shoulder and be like just so you know like bond doesn't necessarily like all of this right. he and his suit that he wears it's probably not his the british government probably paid for it as part of his cover too right. so they're not even his i mean dude when it, skyfall clothes. one of my favorite parts of skyfall is after he's dead what does he do he doesn't like go and hole up in some chalet he gets in like a a shack on the beach and he's drinking heinekens and he's playing like borderline deadly scorpion drinking games with the locals at night that's when bond when bond needs to lay low he's off the clock and laying low he's so comfortable in squalor yeah he has no trouble at all i mean when at the end of skyfall when he goes back to his fam his ancestral home He's rigging up booby traps. He seems totally at ease and comfortable in this like rough hewn space. That's that's what makes him so effective. Is he doesn't he doesn't rely. Well, the skyfall is very much like the end of uh, Straw Dogs. It kind of is the house. Yeah, the attack the on house, the house. Yeah. <laughs> but well, there's a lot more after that actually. Well, yeah. But that that yeah. is one of the like the iconic moments. That but yeah, that that's what makes. The, the Bond movies, interesting as far as movies about consumerism that live and in that, because there's always the new car. What's going to be the Bond car? Is right. it the BMW? Is it the Aston Martin? Is it a Bentley? What are they doing? I think they're then, brilliant. Yeah. I think they're brilliant he because... He always has like a $10,000 watch oh my that God, also the Omega does Seamasters? Cool fucking shit, right? But like for... And, but, and the fact that we know that, like there is a, a like every guy... I'm, I'm positive that if you had a bajillion dollars, you'd be buying I buy Tom, the, Tom Ford cardigans <laughs> and you'd yeah, have all what? the Omega Seamasters. Yeah. And I would have a drawer full of them. Turnbull and Asser ties, yeah. which that goes back to the Pierce Brosnan era. I fucking love me some Bond. Mm-hmm. JamesBondLifestyle.com. Free plug. There you go. Go check that out. Fuck. Go get on it, baby. But no, like that's in particular. That's why I think these new Bond films are so brilliant is because they, they show you the opulence. And if you want to sit and watch the the come on it's cool the gadgets are cool the clothes mm-hmm. are cool god the girls are so hot bond is cool like, yeah but yeah. in a in a in a, a beautiful way and i will maintain forever that daniel craig is an absolutely brilliant actor capable of endless nuance to his performances and i think that a, craig's nuance paired with the better directors of the new ones like let's give quantum of solace let's give that mm-hmm. one a pass to the side but like skyfall even specter yeah. craig manages to critique that world as well at, while being a part of it, even in real life, he's part of it, but he, there is a sense of him like looking down disgustedly at this world that he walks but around. But when you in. don't have that, you in get your the bling film, ring. You get the bling ring where it's just. Can I read you garbage? Please. Can do. I read you a line that Emma Watson that someone says? says? Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I will be treading some ground, but it's to lead you up to my favorite line in the entire Perfect. film. Um, this has all been a hit. By the way, Emma Watson fucking slays in this movie. Mm-hmm. She is so so good. She's so not Hermione. She is not her. And if, I mean, her as a person in in real oh, life. Oh, it's not her. I mean, no, she's, she's a total philanthropist. Brilliant, she's a yes. brilliant, very smart, well spoken. She's like thirty seven master's an inc- degrees or an something. Incredible like, yeah. feminist advocate too. Yep. She's like, uh, if you follow her Instagram, her lately, uh, it's like two months ago, she was doing a whole thing where she was helping. Um, uh, like repressed voices or or uh, underrepresented yeah. voices in poetry. So she's like getting poetry from women and col- women of color and Emma disabled women. Wonderful. She's, Emma Watson is one of like my idols. We can yeah. say that. Like oh, yeah, of, of, the, of like twenty people that I admire, Emma Watson is high on that list. She's amazing. Put Natalie Portman up there. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But she. In the, but that and this movie is a testament to her as an actress because she fucking because I fucking hate kills. her. But she's so good, dude. Yeah, I know. So she goes. No, I hate her character, not her. <laughs> the work she's I, doing. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm really impressed by her work in this, mm-hmm. even though I loathe this movie. <laughs> but she goes like this experience has been a huge learning lesson for me. I want to lead a huge charity organization. I, I might want to lead the country someday for all I know. Let's be real. That's good writing. Mm-hmm. I might want to lead the country for someday or lead the country someday for, for all, all I, I know. know. I, I will not take that away from this movie. That is good writing. And Emma Watson destroys that line. It's so in a good way. <laughs> yeah. She crushes it. It's amazing. Then I'm like, oh, shit. that's when I that that yeah. line is where I thought this movie was going to be good. Because I was like, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I Emma Watson is Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. she's like, gonna order out all the Burger King and McDonald's. That it's oh my god, did you hear about eat? that recently Jesus with Christ. the basketball team? <laughs> but it's 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 again, <laughs> it's the same fucking thing. I I mean, I have a note later. It's Marie Antoinette 2013. Yeah, it's another movie about idiots, like utter idiots. Who get massive amounts of attention for being stupid. For being dumb. And then I noticed another weird thing, a weird parallel between this and Marie Antoinette, which I think um, supports our theory of well, my, my pet theory. I think you agree with me that that Sofia Coppola actually really admires these kids and loves that world. Mm-hmm. When they get arrested, when they get caught, you know what I would have give me. 10 minutes of them stealing shit and then make your movie about marks what four happens. years in prison. Yeah. Show me these kids in prison unless they're all rich and they're, they're all in got prison out and the, the flashbacks are to them doing the heists. Yeah. Well, you know and, what I mean? they're like talking to the counselors and they're talking to the interviewers, but it's the same thing with Marie Antoinette where you show me this whole life of opulence and I never see any poor people. I never see anyone being victimized. There are no victims. No. I don't see people cry. I don't see people like come into their home and be like, oh my God. The my- victims are Orlando Bloom and Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton. And, right, but. Not that it doesn't suck to have your home broken into and have, but you don't see them and the. Well, here's my problem. If you don't, we're watching the crime and how fun it is. Yes. But we are never, we are never shown consequences. We never see Orlando Bloom coming home. No. And going, what the hell happened? That was my father's watch in there. Or whatever. I don't fucking or, know. Like, I mean, fuck it, dude. If someone comes into your house and is rifling through your shit. That's fucked up. Your your space has been violated. Putting maybe, your clothes on. Maybe you don't feel safe now. Maybe you hire more security. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't sleep. 
if Coppola had shown me that, right. then I'm like, oh, the Coppola thinks it that also these- dehumanizes the victims too. Like, I don't care about Orlando Bloom's shit or him, but then you think about it, Orlando Bloom as a person, right? And if his house gets broken into, these kids are in his clothes, and it's, that's horrifying. But you know, and like, yeah, it does. It, I don't know. The bigger, the bigger thing it's for weird. me was it would have given the movie a a stance that I could understand. But which is no, because it's like, look, if if Coppola had shown me Sleepless Nights and cops and and Orlando Bloom talking to detectives like I uh, and making sure his bodyguards close to him or something, right. then I see consequences and I get it. I say, oh, okay, Coppola. These ki- these kids are on a like a, a a robbery spree, but she's showing us the consequences. Their their consequences have or their their actions have consequences. Have consequences. Yeah. So she's she's condemning this behavior, and we're that you know what that is. That's you're creating conflict. Yes. You know, like the thing that drives the yes. plot. Yes. That makes a, a thing interesting. Right. And, you know, it's not and draws you in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, montages of clothes are not conflict. No. That's just. Three minutes of uh, of a kid smoking a reefer and dancing into a webcam to a really bad song is f- not Why was that in the movie? No fucking idea. Why? What was that? I have no idea. It's it's a black and white webcam, yes. which is weird because none of the other ones are black and white. No. So he has a black and white webcam going, and he's dancing. Mark is dancing around his room in a scarf and hitting a bowl again and again and again and again. And Coppola lets us watch him do this for... No, let's say Coppola forces us to watch him do this for five minutes. I had a thought that maybe it was her showing us how he is self-centered. Well, self-centered that into you see him wearing women's shoes at one point when his mom a couple of times. I'm like, maybe this is her showing us that that he is is struggling with his identity and is wants to wear women's clothing. I'm like, I'm bringing all of that shit to the table. Uh, I mean, t- t- God damn it! This movie's fucking bad. Here's another. Here's <laughs> another parallel between Marie Antoinette and this movie. Marie Antoinette. We go all through Marie Antoinette crashing the Russian economy and <laughs> destroying the country, right? And here comes the consequences of her actions, where she literally gets beheaded. Yes. She lives in exile, gets captured, and is murdered in front of a crowd of thousands. Okay. In the world of Marie Antoinette, I would say. That last little bit that I talked about is fairly fucking important. Yes. Unless all you care about is the opulent lifestyle that she led and how much you wish that you could live a life like that. So in Bling Ring, all the kids get arrested and I'm like, here we go. Okay. Here's where we get our meat. Okay. Show me something. Show me anything. Put them in prison. Stress the kids. If you, when you apply stress to it, I was just having a discussion about this yesterday with zombie movies. Zombies are not the scary part of a zombie no. movie. No, no, no. Zombies. It oh, no. Right. Zombies are the stressor. Uh, Danny Boyle was the best person. The be- Oh, fucking 28 Days Later. The people are so it's much g- more terrifying. Yeah. The-, uh, the zombies are scary in 28 yeah. Days Later. I'm talking OG. Like oh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, yeah. the, the Shufflers, the Shamblers, Train to yeah. Busson. Yeah. They, they apply the stress and then people, Walking Dead. And then people react so badly. Yes. Watching how people behave when the chips are down shows you so much about people. So when I was watching The Bling Ring, I'm like, I still honestly like this movie. I I cannot. I gave it half a star in Voodoo. I cannot. Mm -mm. I cannot laud this movie at all. But I still respect Coppola as a filmmaker 
because I did like The Beguiled. That movie was definitely in my wheelhouse. That is one that I'm going to be going back and watching, just so you know, because I went back and listened to our conversation, some of it, because I was struggling with that movie so much. Sure. I need to watch it again. And I still, so I'm giving that to her. Like, and honestly, if I hated it, I would never spin that movie again. Yeah, honestly, I think there are flaws in Marie Antoinette, but that's still a film I admire. I think there is there are things going on in Marie Antoinette that are interesting. So I was waiting for Coppola. Anything? Yeah, but I'm waiting for Coppola to like quick draw and pull the trigger on right. me, where it's like the kids all get arrested, and I'm like, there's no way the movie's going to end now. What happens when these kids are in prison? Let me see some stress on them. Let me see who they are when the chips are down. And no, cut to And then you have interviews. little tags. This too. Yeah. That this is a recurring motif for her. Except in the Beguiled, where shit like definitely goes bad. <laughs> yeah. And we see how people behave when the chips are down, and what happens is a bunch of women murder a guy <laughs> in a horrible way. But like in this, in Marie Antoinette and this it's like we see this like disgusting display of consumerism and here comes the consequences. And then it's like Sofia Coppola's like, but that's that part of the story is like sad. Right. So let's not shoot it. What? And they don't. They don't in either film. We get that that weird uh, pre credit. Yeah, there's a pre post credit like uh, Mark me. did the thing and you know, we have to read what happened to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and I'm like, that's a fucking throwaway bullshit. Like. I think it works in some movies. Um, it does, where like in like sports movies, like where it's like, he and lived, he went on to be. He whatever. only pitched two more games, yeah. and then unfortunately, you know, like succumbed to cancer. And it's a it's a nice little Dano Mall where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But gives in, you a little tag at the end. But, but god damn it, like this movie ends with Emma Watson staring straight down the barrel and yeah. going. And if you want to follow more of my journey, you can go to... Right, it's the television interview. Right, the very and, last. and some of it does feel... That does kind of, in a weird way, feel like a critique, where it's like, look how disgusting this is. But there's no... There's so little filmic... Like, there's no... Uh, in literary analysis, mm-hmm. there's so little textual evidence to support that author's position or that the filmmaker's position that she thinks this is gross in a weird way. I almost, I almost feel like Sofia Coppola is like, and look how brave she is. She's getting right back at her career and her life. She's using the tools that she has. She has her Twitter and her Facebook. I, and I, I, I'm when we get to Virgin, well, when I watch Virgin suicides, mm-hmm. I have the criterion and there's a bunch of interviews on there. I'm going to watch them because I really have no, I, I have no concept of how Sofia Coppola's mind works as a director. I, I can't fathom it. It was like the other day when I was when I was talking with Bird and I was like, I really like, I think I really like Kirsten Dunst. She's done some really interesting stuff. Like she worked with Lars von Trier on Melancholia, which is one of the strangest mm-hmm. art house, fil- like independent films I've ever seen. It's so fucking weird. And she does good work in there. Very strange, very strange work. But when you look into her as a person, it sounds like the way you described that interview with Sofia Coppola, where it's just like, well, you know, I wasn't doing well in foreign markets, so I did this movie as a way to boost right, my career, yeah, yeah. and I love my dog, and I love to watch, like, Real Housewives of New York. Like, th- I don't understand, man. No. Sorry, my brain just did a hard no, reset. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> I, saw, I saw the button get pushed. It and- was like, bing! <laughs> you, need to, you need to take a breath, buddy. Um... <laughs> I have more. I have some filmmaking criticisms too. Mm-hmm. There are. We talked about it last time. You know, there's the the editing rule where you don't cut less than 180 degrees or something like that. Right. We it's cut confusing. into the cut. Yeah. You can't. You don't want to cut into a. You can't cut into the cut. If you only change by a few degrees, it's really it's really jarring. And like, where the fuck am I? What they do that a yeah. bunch in this yeah, movie. Yeah, they sure do. They edit like. 
10 degrees to the right at one point. Some kids walk into a classroom and there's an there's a cut and you your brain is expecting Something to see different. the reverse. Yes. But it's literally just five feet to where the camera was before. Five feet to the right of where the camera was before. And you're like, oh, what the? But what that the was uh, that was an artistic choice to leave us uh, feeling. I don't uh, believe it was. No. Either this movie was utterly phoned in or I don't I don't know. I don't know what this movie was. What does this mean? Jude Law texting me, and then I say, fuck you. <laughs> oh, yeah, when they're at the club, and it's oh, Emma Watson, right. she's like, ugh. That's right. Jude, Jude Law, Law is texting me, and she's like, I actually wrote, I was like, fuck you. That's the moment, by the way, where the, the, the smoker voice chick comes in, she's like, ugh, sluts, what's up, That's sluts? right. Uh, and Emma Watson's like, bitch, how's it going, bitch, <laughs> bitches? <laughs> My note about Paris Hilton at the bar is like, eh, to be fair, to be fair. I was wondering how, oh, how'd they get her to be in the movie? And I was like, oh, wait, to be fair, she probably didn't have anything better to do. <laughs> she might have just been at the club. She might have just been at the shitty club, They're the like, shitty music, it was shitty drinks, shooter, and shitty know. people. Oh, God. Is this the shitty, that's why I call the, the club the shit box or something. Here, I, can I read a, a, a scathing critique <laughs> of these type of kids and then yes. play and then play the empa- uh, empathetic reverse to that coin? Sure. All right, here we go. I was trying to figure out why I hate these kids so much. Yes. So I wrote down, actually, all of these kids are the reason our society is fucking tanking. Okay, I'm just going to read my notes straight up. Mm-hmm. Millennial is too simple, simplistic a term to throw around, but that really is my opening complaint about this movie. And then I, because the movie was too boring and infuriating for me to pay attention to, I actually like wrote down my thoughts. Oh my God, I love it. So I wrote down, what do I dislike? So I just made a big list of things about these particular kids, but okay. there is also you can't. It's undeniable. There is a there's a milieu. There's a there's a group of people that are these kids. that are these yes. kids. And it, I wrote down vapid and shallow, short sighted, impulsive, self indulgent, entitled, lazy, spoiled, unprincipled, naive, and weak. There's a there is an entire subset of society. It's a I think it's not actually millennials. I'm pretty sure I, these this group of kids that I'm thinking of is called Gen Z. So I get lost on that roadmap a lot. It's by the any way. kid born after 1995 okay. is Gen Z. So and then I wrote down the eyes of this movie are on shopping, hedonism, partying, mm-hmm. and consumerism. That's mm-hmm. all we look at the whole film in a very celebratory manner. So now the capital V very capital V very, <laughs> very celebratory, celebratory man. Here's the flip side to this coin. I actually work with a couple of I work with two girls who are 16 and 17 Mm -hmm. and then I also work with one who's 18 so and I know I through my brother and his like younger friends siblings are those are all like 15 16 17 year old kids too so I was listening to a podcast yesterday and I, I do feel like we have to give a caveat to this which is I'm 28 I grew up in a and you are 41. 41. Mm-hmm. So we both grew up in in a culture and a society which was very different. Yes. We grew up like I'm definitely you and me as well. I my generation's one of the last that got to do this, but we just walked around town with no parents. We, yeah. We just you just run around with your friends, you did whatever you wanted, you just played and you learned a lot that way. We had no internet until i was like 9 and you know that even that was like I was rare i was rarely inside yeah oh my god my mom wasn't such a thing as a video game i got a nintendo when i was 11 
My, I never had video games 12, growing up. But I wasn't I was, allowed to play it for more than like a half hour a day. I'm like, and I didn't want to either. Right. Because there's, dude, there's stuff to do outside. Yeah. Um, every day, six to seven. Is, or no, uh, 6 to 7.30. It was Batman, followed by Dragon Ball Z, yes. followed by Gundam Wing. And that's all I wanted to watch. And then after that... That's a great lineup. Fuck yeah, dude. You, hit, you, you, tag, you tag Batman, and then yep. you you watch through the early part of Toonami, and then the shitty stuff starts coming on, and, and you like, go back done. outside. Going outside right. now. So it was like, yes. like an hour of TV a day, or an hour and a half of TV on weekends, because that was when Toonami hit on Cartoon right. But... We that's what we grew up with. We had no cell phones. We had no. The, I think the biggest one we had no social media. Our social media was remembering your friend's phone number to call him, or going and yes. hanging out until he came outside. Or, or you you had the place you knew everybody would hang out at a particular time. Your social media was, if I go to the Dairy Queen between three and four thirty, there is a good chance. That at the little park underneath it, I'm going to run into all my friends because that's where they all get ice cream and go hang out in Hemlock. Right. We had a skate park. We had a playground. So, but now this is us reminiscing about this childhood that equipped us fairly well. I I think so. Yeah. Like, no, look, I'm not going to pretend like I'm well adjusted. I got problems. (laughs) We're all fucked up. I'm so fucked up, man. But at least we are. (laughs) That's, but that's a good thing. Right. Right. We're, we're fucked up, but we were given the tools to deal with our issues. Right mm-hmm. now, I was just listening to a podcast yesterday with a is a Joe Rogan experience with a um, he's a I think he's a psychologist and he was running through the numbers of of uh, dep- uh, self-harm, depression, ma- uh, major depressive es- episodes and suicide attempts that resulted in hospitalization or death. OK, so that's the that's what we're talking about. And he ran through the statistics by generation. And he says up through 2010, basically, there's this group of there's this group of girls in particular, Mm. but mostly just think children between the ages of like 10 and 14. And then it's 15 to 18 and then it's 18 to 24. Right. Across the board. But in particular, girls between the ages of 10 and 14, uh, between the ages of 10 and 14. The instances of all three of those, self-harm, major depressive episodes. Think about that. Major depressive episodes, which means of nine criteria, you fill five. And suicide attempts that resulted either in hospitalization or death is up over 118% for girls between 10 and 14. These are Gen Zers. These are like... There's too much. They have too much stimulation. There's too much going into their brains, mate. With the social media and he the- has a he has some interesting theories about it. But it's important to note also that like 15 to 17 or 15 to 18 or whatever the second batch was, which is all my coworkers that I was talking yeah. about earlier. That those numbers are all up by over 25 percent. That's so fucking weird. Right. We like, th- but think about that. That means uh, he was saying that one in five, one in five girls under the age of 18 Is has there- had a major depressive episode, a suicide attempt, or regularly self harms. Like, is it because there's more pressure? What he thinks I- is. I is that his theory is really interesting. And this is totally relevant to the book. No, I know Because it is. that's these kids. That's this upcoming generation. And I think part of why it's important to empathize with them rather than just criticize them is it's not entirely their fault. Because more and more, there's... He said in the late 90s, one of the things that happened was everyone was so afraid of their kids getting kidnapped that they stopped letting their kids go out and play. I remember that happening Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so there's this more and more. It's like, well, we don't want our kids to be bullied. So now 
any they've they there used to be a really broad classification for bullying which was there had to be a threat of physical violence yes now it's anything that's mean there are some schools that are banning bet they're they're making punitive actions for having a best friend they're banning best friends yeah i read that too because if you have a best friend you're excluding people everyone from friendship. else right so like more and more but you know what you get what i'm getting at no, more and more it's like we oh don't let them don't let that you're gonna be feel sad if you see that oh don't no, no this this could make someone f- hurt someone's feelings oh this could and the more we shield them the, the less capable they are to deal with stress he used a cool analogy of a peanut allergy which is if a pregnant uh, if if a pregnant woman eats peanuts during while like while she's breastfeeding mm-hmm. uh, they did a study on this with kids who are already predisposed to have peanut allergies and he was saying they split it right down the middle it was 300 women and they had 150 do one and 150 do the other and they said you this 150 don't eat any peanuts this group and these are children who are going probably going to have a peanut allergy predisposed to it so you this group you eat this snack during while you're lactating that has peanut powder dusted on it. Okay. So you're eating you're eating peanut dust. Of the group that ate the peanuts, essentially, 3% of those kids developed peanut allergies. Of the group that didn't, 17% developed peanut allergies. So he said basically coddling coddling children from every stressor. Oh, it's just like our, our body's immune allergy. system. If you never get sick, your body has no idea how to build up antibodies exactly. for anything. If you constantly uh, use hand sanitizer, you're, con- you're, you're always you're removing all the, the good bacteria as well as the bad bacteria and suddenly you're super prone to like infection and getting sick because that, that first layer. So in protecting yourself, you're actually making yourself more susceptible, susceptible to harm. Right. Antibacterial soap and Horrible for and, you. Uh, you know, you like need to every be clean, but don't like, right? Don't like, ruin the good stuff. Well, they they're saying the best way to like bolster your child's immune system is to let them play outside when they're kids and eat weird shit. Right? Yeah. And sometimes I got real sick. I got into some shit I shouldn't. Horribly ill. Yeah. I mean, you know what? And it's fine. Maybe if I, hmm. I can't tell you how many times I either like and some kids survive and some don't. I hate to say that, but it's like part of the whole fucking. I think we're making, but but I it's, don't know. I went I went to the ultimate extreme with right, it, right, right. You know, I'm, if sometimes if you let your kids play outside and go, they might walk in front of a bus accident, or they might climb too high on the tree and the and branch fall out. breaks. Right. right. So it's like, it. In a weird way, like watching these kids, I was thinking <laughs> some kids make it, some don't. <laughs> like <laughs> I wish a, none of these kids. That's made a blanket it. statement. But like, them. but watching the bling ring, I was thinking because you know, one of the people that I work with who's sixteen, she has been on like anti-anxiety medication already, and she's been Jesus. on antidepressants already. And she, according to her, a lot of her friends are on antidepressants or are on Adderall or some of the, there's a new thing that's happening. I, th- may, I don't know if I mentioned it to you or not. Definitely not on the show, but there are kids who have, I shouldn't laugh. This is really actually very sad. They'll have their Instagram profile, which is like at the beach. Oh, my life is great. Great, great, great. You know what that Instagram thing where yep. you, oh, where everyone's life seems perfect all the time because you don't take snapshots of bad moments or boring moments. No, you don't. Apparently, a lot of kids now have two Instagram profiles, their main one and then one that's anonymous under like a assumed name or pseudonym. Really? And that second one is all about it's just like uh, like I cried all day today. 
I hid in the bathroom for two hours and I sobbed and couldn't stop. It's all about, it's basically Fuck. like them venting. Now, what's weird is back in the day, you'd write that in your notebook or your, yeah, journal, your journal or you'd go write your song or whatever, but that's not the vocabulary of this new generation. It's what you do is you express yourself online in a public forum for other people to comment on. That's how it works. Think about that, man. Like in a weird way, these the kids. It's like we're putting our journal out there for people to critique and either thumbs up, thumbs down, smiley face or winky face. The internet does not thumbs up and winky face. Mostly, the internet's like, yo, you fucking, you fucking stupid, stupid. Yeah. bitch. You should kill yourself. So it's trolls are fucking the worst thing ever. There's, I mean, like in a weird way, these kids that we're talking about in the bling ring. And this, by the way, this is not in the movie. This is a hundred. I'm Max Peterson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like these kids in the movie are almost not the same thing that you and I are. They, no, they're a different. They have. Well, one, they, they grew up and raised in Hollywood and that's a whole other universe anyways. Have you ever seen a young kid, a young kid, anybody, let's say like 16 or younger. Have you ever seen them use their phone? Mm-hmm. W- watch a 16 year old sometime texting or checking instagram um she won't care ashley working with yeah, ashley yeah. she when she's on instagram she will just flip her thumb up and the images will fly by and she can flip her thumb up and double tap so quickly on her screen that the scrolling doesn't stop what i can't even see the images but she'll tap tap like one and then, th- like, zip, 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 a couple will zip by, and then did it, she'll like another one. And I can't even see what she's seeing. Think about that. It's insane. Programmed to... It's, in, yeah. it's fucking nuts, dude. So, like, can you imagine? I, I don't know. I don't know. That, but I, I think it's important to realize that that as a society, as a culture, we are partly responsible for mm-hmm. the kids in the bling room. Not to get too far off topic. No, dude. Honestly, like I'd rather talk off topic because I hate this movie. It's like <laughs> I don't know. It's that old thing. It was Arthur C. Clarke, or one of the one of the great science fiction authors of our of our time. Yeah, um, had some, a, a real prophetic statement to make about technology. Like the fear was that someday in the not too distant future, our technology will be so great that we will lose our humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty standard like thought amongst like it the science fiction trite, authors of like the forties yeah. and fifties and the sixties. And it does sound trite. It's like our someday like iRobot and those kind of like the Asimov books. Yeah, you're like, oh what a, that it's like what the stereotypical. If that, exactly. Whatever, but then yeah. if you look at we, it's already it is here now. Yeah. And it's in the form of of our, our our iPhones. I think Stephen King calls it our um are our slave bracelets slave bracelets yeah he refers to the tv and on writing as the electric teat yeah yeah so it's um it's terrifying because we're all part of it as well you and i yeah yeah and we're all responsible for it but i also think it's a great thing yeah in a lot of ways i mean if you think there's a lot more garbage out there but you and I have the ability because of technology to to do a podcast where 10, 15 years ago, this would have cost a ton of money to do. Yeah. And we would have had to find an outlet to get this out in front of anyone. Well, since we're talking about film and filmmaking, uh, Clerks cost what? 30 is like $37,000. Yeah, he maxed out his and Scott Mosier and a couple other people, credit uh, their credit cards. Yeah. So, the, but that movie, when you watch Clerks, that movie cost 37 grand to make. 
you could, if you wanted, make Clerks today with an iPhone, the newest iPhone. You can make it for $10. I could make it with my iPhone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Clear clear a phone off, make sure you got lots of memory, and then just dump footage as you go. You yeah. could you could shoot that movie and make it look Some better. Some of the filters and shit that we have on these, like, unbelievable technology. And that's, and that's not a critique of Clerks. I fucking love that movie. No. What I'm saying is technology has allowed us to... To express ourselves so much, so and you can express yourself more fully. It's it's filmmaking is totally accessible now. Right. I made a I made a film like a, a feature film for two grand, a little over two grand. Yeah, like the unheard of. You kidding me? <laughs> yeah, like Jarmusch's early movies. They're talking. I mean, they were saying like uh, uh, um, the Night of the Living Dead. They were like bare bones budget indie, and it was like ninety thousand dollars. That's what that's what because I don't, of film. Film costs money. Film is so expensive. Yeah, the, the, they even talk about it in the in the uh, Virgin Suicide stuff. The, some of the they had some issues shooting it, and a lot of it was it wasn't money constraints. It, well, it was they couldn't afford the film for it to shoot. You can only do five thousand feet a day or something because the film is so fucking expensive. Right. Not only to purchase, but it's the processing of the film. If you don't have that as one of your main cost issues or concerns, yeah. <laughs> if your actors are willing to do it for free because they want to be in a thing, right? Because everyone wants to be, be in, a, in thing. a thing, right? In a weird, it's it is a it's a it's a coin or a sword, and you know, like there's this beautiful cutting edge of technology that allows you to shoot a movie on a DSLR that looks as good as something that Hollywood will put out. You can get a program for two hundred bucks that allow you to color grade as well as somebody who has a twenty thousand dollar color An grading or suite. something like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you can do. Have you? I mean, there are pe- there are pop up studios all over the place that are doing like uh, professional quality albums recorded digitally and using Pro Tools. You can set up for a grand. Yeah, and you can you can do you can make albums that your sound biz- like your Motley biggest Crew. expense is the the hardware the yeah. the computer to cut it on. Yeah, everything exactly. else is. But then there's this other darker back yeah. edge it's that other edge of the of this amazing sword that we have because it's like the oh, people are cutting their own wrists with like yeah man in a, in a weird way there's there's a real there are a lot of costs that we didn't anticipate mm-hmm. um I and mean, the mental health of our children i think that's a pretty big fucking cost yeah I, it, I don't know if it's worth it man like i i got up well here i <laughs> shit i get to fucking hang out with my son in alabama and play video games with him because of our technology. Right. And that's co- the the ability like, to be connected yeah. is awesome. But like then there's the flip side. I have a note right here. Sitting around with duck lips and peace signs, cell phone pics and Facebook. And that's the dream. This is the goal. And then, I mean, I, I asked myself how, like, you know, how did we get, how did we get here? How did opulence become the goal? But, you know, to be honest, like think about the Persian empire and the Romans mm-hmm. opulence has always been the goal, yeah. but now because of technology, opulence seems more accessible and it's very easy to create faux opulence. You've, have you ever, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the, there was this story going around. There's a, there's a picture that made the rounds on social media. I'm not on social media anymore other than the very occasional mm-hmm. Instagram and I'm much happier for it but someone showed me at work there's a picture and it's usually shown side by side with the the picture and the picture that they're they're taking a picture of someone taking a picture okay it's a girl in a totally empty club there's like two people there and she has a bottle of crystal and she's tilted herself away so that the club isn't visible and it's her and like the lights behind her 
and the ve- the like two people who are so in the you, club. It looks populated. Yeah, yeah. When you see her picture, it looks like she's at this like bang. Like night. holy shit, where is she? Right. And the the uh, the the original picture that's going around is some guy took a picture of her taking that picture, and the club is empty. Holy fuck! And it's this perceived. Opulence. It's like, look, I'm at the club. Oh my shit. god, that's breaking my brain. Shit is lit, yo, but it's not real. We live in it. That's virtual reality, man. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> like, the, let's break the ah. Isn't that fucking crazy? Um, Bird had a Bird texted me the other day, and she's like, I'm at the gym, and I need to get in the I need to get in the squat rack. She's because she was, you know, just doing like right to do yeah, it. Yeah, she's like, she does squat. She supersets squats and deadlifts, which is just psycho That's behavior. But, yeah, I know. I'm like, what a maniac. <laughs> but she's like, I need to get into the squat rack, and this bitch is taking a video of herself. God damn it. She's not even the. She wasn't even lifting. What she was doing is she would she'd grab the weight right, and then she'd st- like really lightweight, and she'd stand up off the bar. And then she'd hold the camera out so that you couldn't see where her other arm should be. And she'd get an angry face and like, check the camera, check the camera, check the camera, check the camera. Like, working that, legs today. Took a picture, yeah. And then she like was getting, she would get it set up on like a stack of plates. She stacked plates up so it'd be the right height. And then she would take a video of her like looking real focused. And she'd do, Bird was saying she'd do two reps and check her video. And then d- delete it and then do two reps and check her video because she's going to post it to her page and be like, working, working. Oh, that makes me angry. At what point? And this is totally relevant to this yeah. movie because at what this movie is so much of this fucking film is kids sitting around bored looking at themselves on screen. Yes. At what point do you live your life and stop documenting your goddamn life? Documenting is fine when it's. Is it, dude? Well, memoirs and things like that and journaling, but this is not documenting. This is a different thing. This is creating a virtual reality where you're making yourself the star of your own reality and it's all fake. We we live in a world where performers have to spend extra it's the difference, money. It's the difference of writing a journal. When you write a journal, you're writing it for yourself right. as, some, as a way to like suss out the day or to figure some things out as there. And if somebody, when you pass on, finds your journal and reads it, whatever it's right. fine but it's a personal thing you're not what you're writing that down is just for you and it's not meant to be read for any from by anybody else yeah so it's truthful it's externalized it's, thinking. It's ter- externalized thinking but it's truthful right this kind of documenting your life it's meant for other people to see and where you your life is judged by so you're going to make it that the best photo ever but it's all fucking fake it's crazy to me it's uh, like if you I want that be an interesting experiment get people to write a journal that they know is going to be read every day like a blog right and then their own personal journal and, and see how those two things are different I'm sure there it's like having those two fucking Instagram pages yeah yeah that's exactly what it is man that's exactly what it is because Instagram is Instagram is a public journal but when you are and again, I'm not saying this is a criticism because I don't think it's their fault. I think in a weird way, they're victims of our society. But like young, the younger end of millennials and the Gen Zers, yeah. they don't keep journals. What they do is they're like, well, I'll just make my other Instagram well, they're not, page they're not even anonymous. being taught how to write with their hands anymore, for Christ's sake. So, no, yeah. of course they're not journaling. That's true. I cursive mean, is gone. Fucking block lettering is... Dude, my cursive is garbage. Look at my hand. Oh, my handwriting's shit, dude. Like, <laughs> I will not. I'm, I will never lament the loss of cursive. I know, I'm no, I'm, no, but to be truthful, I'm split on whether or not on how I feel about cursive no longer being taught in schools. 
It's like if it's not being used, then there's no reason to teach it. But I think it's unfortunate that something that is the. But we also don't teach calligraphy anymore, right? And if you want to go seek out handwriting and be a handwriting specialist, yeah, do that. Or if you want to have good handwriting, that's something you can work on. Mm -hmm. Like, but you know, I don't to make it a necessary thing. But that's also something that that you're training your brain to do. Learning cursive is you're learning how to do a particular set of things, and you're also learning the alphabet, right? You're also learning how to spell. Yeah, it, there's but a, there's I don't a, know. There's a dexterity thing. There's a digital yeah, coordination. There's a connection thing. between your hand and motor motor skills, motor function. The, but the bigger the bigger issue for me, like uh, schools, is a snarly issue because they're just so fucked. I know. There's well, no, both, I come from a family of of educators, and it's through. dad's a teacher, mom is a sub. But yeah, my dad. Both almost. My dad has taught high school and he's taught college. And basically, mm-hmm. when I was I, when I went to college and I got my English degree, he was like, "Don't." By the way, don't ever teach fuck all of my parents are teachers yeah <laughs> my step parents and my my real parents they're all teachers and they're just i mean yeah. they, for, anyway. for me the biggest the, the bigger relevant issue to the bling ring is is keeping kids from consequences and keeping kids from stressors if they the never sheltering. have right like they dude they all seem stunned when they get, when they get found guilty they're like yeah when they get caught they're like what, what? what do you mean yeah and then, well, what, I didn't mean to. It was just for fun. When the cops come into Emma Watson's house and he's like, sit down, sit down over there. There's, it's kind of, I actually kind of like that bit because the cops aren't nice. The cops no, are they're cops. not. Yeah. The cops treat them the way that they treat, you know, uh, uh, people who aren't rich Beverly Hills fucks. He comes in and he's like, step out of the way. Step out of the way. You, uh, Nikki, sit over, sit down over there. Zip it. And she's like, but why no. do I have to sit down? Why do I? I need to talk to my mother. Ow, you're hurt. You're really hurting me. Again, Emma Watson. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. When yeah. they get her in the car, there's a moment where she, her, you know, because they put you in the car with your cuffs on behind, behind you. you. Yeah. And that's not comfy. Oop. So she's in the back seat with her, her, you know, her hands behind her. And she, there's a moment which is actually maybe the only moment in here that I would call like a, a beautiful moment. In, in its ugliness, where Nikki like sobs the way a child would, where she it's it's not like it's so fucking beautiful, dude. It's a great moment in this movie, which is otherwise just there are a handful of moments that I like in this. It's That's great. one of them. That's great because yeah. she literally it's not like oh my god, you're hurting me. She literally goes like oh yeah yeah. She's like oh shit. It's like the, a, the mask completely. If you've away. ever heard a four year old right when they're about to start crying. That's what she sounds like. Oh, then there's different crying. There's crying for attention. There's crying because you are You're actually crying, and, and that's crying and scared. It's perfect. Yeah, it's a be- It's an absolutely stunning moment. I'll, I, I'll, and it's again, Emma Watson. It's Emma Watson. <laughs> like again, and I, and it's not like, and I empathize with Nikki. I fucking hate no. every single character. No, this is appreciating some f- amazing acting happening. Yeah, that was very, very good. That was an absolutely awesome moment. I mean, there's one good filmmaking moment. What's that? So <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yes. Where? <laughs> no. So it's I forget whose house they're they're robbing, but we watch the entire heist happening from across the street and a little bit up a hill. Okay. 
and there's no soundtrack going on, just like ambient. Oh sound. my like, god, like I know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the camera's slowly pushing in while they're going from room to room to room until it's completely tight on the one room as they're exiting, and that's the end of the scene. And it, it's like a two and a half, three minute scene. We hang on oh. it for a long time. Okay. Yeah. I, I love something about that scene too, but it wasn't the shot. The shot actually irritated me. Fair enough. Um, I dug, I like the sound design in it. That's what That was my note, because the, what, the sound design there is they... It's fucking awesome. I don't know who she get, gets to do sound. Uh, her sound... Beep. All Dude, three movies, the sound is sound spot on. Gets me all angry. Love of, it. That's one of my that that's my only. I think my only positive filmmaking note is during that long shot, we hear sirens and we hear coyotes, mm-hmm. and the coyotes and the sirens blend together. So eventually, you can't tell which you're which hearing is which, anymore. Yeah. It's beaut. It's amazing. It's amazing because the sirens are the cops. These kids mm-hmm. are the coyotes. I like the soundtrack to this too. Someone's garbage club music, but like, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the soundtrack. I like that first like weird indie song yeah. with the guitar, but everything after that, I was just like a lot me. of clubby <laughs> shit. Yeah, <laughs> but like, dude, that's an that's an that's an audio metaphor. Yeah, because it's cops the and, and the, the kids are yeah. the coyotes who are in here. Like they're they're scavengers. Yes, these kids are scavengers, and the cops are encroaching, and eventually, like they meet. In the sound, in the the, and that is a house the where design. they where where they start getting found out. Was that house that they were robbing had the, the kid, Mark gets his his, his face, f- on, face camera on camera before that? Yeah. But yeah, that was the second time that they show up on camera, and this yeah. is when the cops start putting together the yeah. burglaries. So that was um, the beginning of the end for them. Was that house? So let's let's just burn some notes because I, right. I I think we I think we covered yeah. the big. I'm glad we went way off on this, by the way. But we didn't, though. That's what this movie is about. We're bringing more to Shit. this film. You know what's fucked up? What? All three Sofia Coppola movies have forced like super deep, nuanced conversations because we don't like the film, and it forces us to examine why. Like these are very—I'm going to say it, dude. Even the Bling Ring. These are very valuable movies. This conversation doesn't happen without us watching this doesn't. movie. Definitely doesn't. I think it was. So I. Yeah. I'm not I don't like it. I will never say that I like it. I will I, never watch it again. Nor will I, but I'm gonna no. I will say this, and this is maybe the best thing I can say <laughs> about it is I am glad I watched it. I'm glad I watched it because yeah. it it is it showed me a world that I'm so divorced from. Interesting question yeah. for you. Yep. Glad you watched it. Would you recommend it? God fuck you. <laughs> what a terrible question. That's a horrible question. Um, I would not. You wouldn't recommend it? No. I think I I think I would recommend this to some people. Interesting. Okay. This, because this the 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 dead um, people. <laughs> coma patients. Coma patients. No, the um <laughs> the, no, the, the entire You know what it is? I would I would recommend this to I would recommend this to people to to uh people that I who I thought would would end up asking the questions we asked. Right. Because this forces perspective. There's no way you can get away from... Because it's not giving you anything. So. No. You're, you're forced to just sit with the realities of selfish... Of, of the the worst elements of, let us say, younger... Any millennial and Gen Zers. makes you angry then when the movie is over. Ask yourself, why did this movie why make me... Why did this me, movie make yeah. me angry? And I, I want to make it clear. Like, I'm a millennial. My brother's a millennial. My wife is a millennial. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with millennials, but I'm saying the worst elements of... of right. Well, the worst elements of any generation right. you can but point this, to a... But it, I think it's important to note, this is a new thing. This yeah. particular set of traits in a group of oh, people... Oh, this is all... Yeah, yeah, This yeah. is new. This is a... This is a, a 
an emerging trend in society. And and again, it it is like, but that's a judgment. That's a judgment on my part. Right. Maybe I'm just that. Maybe that's just not my world. Maybe this is this is how people live. And who am I to cast judgment on that? But what really bugs people me judge is, me all the time. So I feel like I it gives me carte blanche. <laughs> but it's like. I see. I say like oh, maybe I shouldn't judge them because that's their work, but that even that basic amount of yeah. co- cogitation I know, I know, that I, I just did is beyond, <laughs> beyond these this? people, yeah, and yeah. it fucking makes me insane. Okay, like right, can we talk blast about, some notes. Yeah, here we go. Live fast, die young. Bad girls do it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bunch of stoned, hammered, drunk kids driving around in a car, just a little singing, bit coked up. A little bit. No, uh, it, this, is before, co- oh, this, this is before. This is before the coke. The bag, yeah. This is when uh, raspy voice McSmokes too much is driving around, and she's th- like, "That's the song." By the way, that was the lyrics I just read. It's just that, just that. again, again and, and, again. and that's all we see is her just sitting in the driver's seat, and Mark is next to her, and Emma Watson's in the back, and or whoever the fuck is next to her. They're all the same person, but it's. It's just them going over and over. Live fast, die young, bad girls do it better. Live fast, die young, bad girls do it better. And you can, it's, ugh. Watching that, you're like, you can you can just see Sofia Coppola like, like bobbing with them. Yeah. And you're uh-huh. like, you're like, what? No, no. Why are we celebrating that? And then there's a car crash, right? And you're like. Oh, wow. Consequences. consequences. No. No. Here's her at school. Yeah, I got to do like I had to pick up trash for like. Dude, fucking oh my gosh, I got like caught on my yeah, on my wrist. It was horrible. Nothing. It doesn't stick. Nothing, Nothing matters. Nothing fucking matters. You know what? That was one of my big notes. Like, whoa, that car. Oh, car crash. Holy shit. Oh I, wait. Some sick part Nothing of me. Happened. Some like disgustingly sick part of me wants to remake the bling ring and fictionalize it and make consequences. Yeah. She dies in that car crash. Yeah. Uh, someone's home during one of the break-ins, and one of the kid get, kids gets gut shot. And then there's cops hounding them, and they go on the run. I could make, I could make you this. You still have the like the first <laughs> heist is totally fun. It's the first heist is all the heist. It's like yeah. holy shit, look up. There's no consequences, and you can you can have that for twenty twenty five minutes. Yeah. You live in that world, and then that like that was fun. Let's do a second one. And then, the, then consequences start happening. Going wrong. Yeah. There, there is a okay. There's another moment in here that I really love, as far as filmmaking goes. And again, I'm I will I'm not going to say that these are bad performances. These are all top top shelf performances. These are good actors and actresses. Yes. The gun scene is so horrifying. Harrowing, when I, mm, when they no. find that gun. Uh, dude, there, there you go, bling ring. I give that to you too, because yep. that whole gun scene, I was gonna throw up. It's so well done. That gun scene is really well done. Because we make fun of like action movies where there's really bad like trigger control <laughs> and, and like muzzle all control, that, muzzle control, everyone's and shit. flagging everybody else with their. But that that's funny because that's funny because it's like these people are supposed to be professionals with a gun and know how to handle right, it. Where this like, is like this is a kid that just found a gun and she's flagging him all the time intentionally. intentionally. She puts she's it like, right what in if his I, What face. if I was to shoot you with? She it? has her hand on the trigger. On the trigger. And okay, so like one of the one of the and it goes off in her boyfriend's house. House. Or that guy she's fucking. Or house. the guys, yeah, that <laughs> they don't want to put a label on a car. <laughs> no, I know. Sorry. But no, yeah, the gun goes off. It's it's that, live. That, that gun the, is hot the whole time. Oh my! That God. was the only scene in the entire movie where I was engaged in any sort of way because I was like, "Holy fuck, she's gonna sh- like shoot herself or someone else." And it wasn't that funny, like Lethal Weapon. Fucking no, they can't stop pointing the gun and <laughs> guns at each other. Right. This was like sh- <laughs> this was a very it was a very real. 
like, holy fuck, a kid just found a gun. This is how people get hurt. Yeah. Hell yeah, like, dude. That whole scene. And then the, there, that really, truly underscored for me. Because the whole time you're like, I hate these children. I hate these children. Oh, they're children. But when she's waving that gun around, you really do realize you're like, she oh, is these, a child. She's a kid with these a are gun. children. Yeah. This is legit. She is a child. Oh my God. Because she's, she hasn't never touched a gun. She's a Hollywood kid. Right. But she's seen guns on TV all the time. She's like, I love it. Look at that. So and she's, she's watched Lethal Weapon and sees how they handle the weapons. Right, but she's right. like, but she, she, he's scared and that's funny to her. And because her, because nothing she's ever done has ever had consequences, it doesn't occur to her that she might kill her friend right She might right actually now. do some real damage. It's, dude, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. If I... If I were going to try and do like some sort of legitimate critical analysis of the bling ring, I'd focus on this scene and the scene where Emma Watson cries and I would skim as much of the rest of the movie as I could. But I, if you can just find a clip of this online in YouTube, but you kind of do need the context of them being shitty kids. If I was going to recommend it, it'd be for this scene because that gun, dude, that gun scene like messed me up. Watching it, you're just like, oh, oh, god! And it goes on for so yeah, yeah, long. Yeah, they hang on it for a, yeah, they sure do. That's good. That is good filmmaking. I loved that. That gun scene is great, and all those performances are great. Seeing Mark try to not freak he's out, like, yeah, he's trying to be cool, did but you he's, just, he's did really you just push a girl. Yeah, dude, it's chill. It's chill. Whatever. It's chill. Jesus, fuck. Are you gonna push me? Are you gonna push me? He gets the gun in his face again. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna shit my pants if you put that gun in my face. I again. mean, there's a but moment trying to be cool. There's a yeah. moment in one of the early episodes where you you were illustrating something. You had a banana and you pointed the banana at me and I flinched. Yes, because you saw a gun. We live in Michigan. Yes, I grew up in the UP. Like guns, <laughs> guns all are around, day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we we know all about guns and you're in the military. Yeah, and when I saw a gun like thing come at me, I flinched. I had a reflexive a reflexive response. Yep. And it's weird to watch a movie where people don't have that and their obliviousness to how fucking dangerous, how dangerous this that is. is. <laughs> um, all right. Ooh. Burning through more notes. Um, oh, my. Uh, oh, you might like this note. Yeah. Because of how horrible this movie was. I said Valley Girl starring Nick Cage is a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> I watched it again recently. I, know I you love did. it. <laughs> but compared to, compared to, I'm like, dude, give me Valley Girl all day. Over this? Over this. For sure. Like, I will For just, sure. Every day. I'll never uh, spin Bling Ring again. No. Ever, 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 ever. Um, but there's a scene where they're all hanging out. And you realize that they're hanging out with a webcam on them. So what they do is they'll like try on clothes and they'll smoke their joints and then they go and look at what they're doing is they're looking, looking at, at themselves they're on a screen. And I realized I had a couple thoughts and I'm, I definitely Max. Maybe I'm Max Peterson. I don't know. This is this seemed kind of like an interesting insight, which is these kids want to see what they look like on a screen. They want to know what it feels like to be on camera. So when they get together, they turn a camera on themselves. And that's what they do to entertain yeah. themselves is they watch themselves on screens. It's that it is a really interesting thing. It's. I said that's pretty much what the internet is, but in a yeah. weird way, that's what that is. What it's just us looking at ourselves over and over again. It's this endless echo chamber of look how beautiful I am, look how interesting I am, look how great my life is. Admire me, right? So that's what they do for fun: is they look at themselves and admiring themselves. It's, yeah, it was really that was really dark watching that. It it was fucking a little messed up, man. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's a there's a scene where the 
I, I talked about it in Marie Antoinette, and I'm positive it's going to come up in Virgin Suicides, but don't spoil me. Mm. Um, kids sitting in trendy board tableaus. Marie Antoinette, there are so many times where it just looks like they, like Sofia Coppola posed a Vanity Fair cover and then shot it for a couple minutes as people just were like, what do you want to do today? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Life is so hard. There it is. Hold it. Snap. Yeah. And she just keeps rolling. They just keep rolling, rolling. There's rolling. a scene where like the three kids are sitting on a beach and they all have sunglasses on and they're passing a joint around and they're like, I'm like going to a party tonight. Do you want to go? I don't like, I don't know. Do you want to go like to a party? I don't know. Like what if we did something else that wasn't a party? Oh, like, I don't what know. Else, Maybe, right. What, what else, else is, even there? is there? Like, this is this is something that's popping up in her movies that drives me just batshit. Yep. Because because it's not critiquing the ennui and it's, it's not approach. Sh- why is it? Sh- why is she showing it? Jim Jarmusch shows us ennui all the time, but he does it in this like super elevated, yeah. um, like poetic way. That's me- that's meant to be the showing like, you something. Right. This is just I, I in a weird way. It's it. This to me is Arrested Development. This is somebody who never got past like mentally got past like eighth, eighth or ninth yes. grade, where they're like, "Look how moody they are." It's so it's emo. That emo. This is this is my takeaway for Sofia Coppola so far through this month. Is she she is the Arrested Development of like filmmaking? She is stuck in that like eighth ninth grade. I don't get it, man. Sensibilities I, she and seems- looks. I don't know. She seems in uh, Bird Bird pointed it out. She's um she said she seems enchanted by young vapid girls. Yes. Very much so. Cuz every movie we've watched so far, The Beguiled, Marie Antoinette and The Bling Ring all focuses on fairly shallow young women who don't really seem to have any direction, motive or goals. No. And but that's seen as a positive a weirdly attractive thing to uh, to uh, maybe I'm misreading this. Maybe there's some like crazy depth, but I kind of don't think so. I think Sofia Coppola just sees some weird that it's that 8th grade thing of like no one understood Kurt Cobain and he killed himself and isn't that just to, like move you? Like, look, man, I'm I and I use Kurt Cobain as an example because Nirvana is my favorite band and Kurt Cobain was an idol growing up. Mm-hmm. But at some point you do realize like, oh, he like depression and him killing himself cost us an immense amount. There's nothing romantic about him. Not at himself. all. Zero. Yeah. There's no poetry in that. There's poetry in the work he was doing and the goals that he had. And he there is a, a, a really interesting sort of like slacker. Don't try. I mean, Charles Bukowski's epitaph is don't try. Right. And Bukowski's hilariously funny. He's a great writer, but he, and he died when he was 78, like having done a full life of work or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But like there's, I mean, have you ever seen Californication? The first season. Okay. So like David Duchovny just like fucking shit. He's, he's supposed to be Bukowski. Right. He's, like, he doesn't give a shit. Right. He's drinking and there, there's and something really appealing to that bad boy thing, but where it works is when Duchovny realizes consequences or right, has exactly a goal. has a goal. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You can't just show the one thing and be like, "Isn't this amazing?" Well, you're missing the fucking point. Exactly. Then. Like, okay, David like, Duchovny, like having a bartender slide him a glass of scotch as he's picking up a sexy, chip. sexy, absolutely cool. love that. I don't want to watch that for an hour and a half. Right, right, right. But but that's cool. Like you know, you you would. I'll admit it. It that's a cool scene, yes. and you're like, oh yeah, man. I wish I had. a I was so regular. Their bartender would right. just slide me I my know, glass. So it's oh, a 
blue. Yeah, it's me. Right, or he's, yeah. he's smoking his cigarettes, and you're like, that's so dangerous. <laughs> 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 Drinking with breakfast. Right. But then, the, the I love Californication. I honestly think it's one of the better TV shows ever ever made. I'm I keep hearing that. Massive God fan of that show. Massive fan. Okay, but the beauty of that show is we see him have all this fun, and there's... Not in every episode because that would get repetitive, but there's these amazing moments in this show where the party's over and everyone's gone and we don't end the episode. We watch Hank Moody alone. We see him be lonely. Mm. We see him not have Karen in his life. We see him drinking at night and staring at a screen and not being able to write. We see his we see that this life is wearing on him. This is not He's not living this life If he was just like I'm a party boy And I love to drink And I'm fucking chicks All the time get really boring Right but And he does He beds lots of women And he goes to parties And he smokes weed And he does coke And he You know Occasionally does coke He's not a huge coke But he And he, right. he gets into trouble And hijinks But the Oh But the, <laughs> I was like <laughs> oh. Trouble and hijinks Here come the cops But But there is a There's always a moment Somewhere in an episode Or somewhere in a In an arc where we see that this life is shallow. Hank Moody needs more than this and he's not getting it. In Sofia Coppola's movies, erase all of the all of the consequences and all of the depth, any of the yearning for something more, any of the this is really hard on me. There's a moment where Hank Moody almost kills himself taking pills because mm-hmm. he just he can't stand not being so estranged from his family and so hated by his wife and so unable to produce creatively and he his life has become this shallow empty thing and he almost dies. If you took Californication and cut out everything that had any depth, meaning or nuance, you'd have a Sofia Coppola television series. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds super cruel and brutal. Well, no, we were just based on based, it's based on, on the evidence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And again, like the beguiled. I like that movie. I know I love Lost in Translation. I've right. seen it a couple. I watched it a bunch in college. Maybe I'll approach it differently, but I can't imagine that I don't like it still. And I've, I'm on record as saying that I'm terrified to watch that movie. I know you are. I know you are. Because <laughs> I have such great memories of it. I don't know, man. I be, but but the based on the bling ring, man. It's like all of the worst parts. Of any movie about like bad boys and partiers. That's it's mm. the Vanity Fair interview is just. I wish this was a parody, but it doesn't it read not, like no, one, not, man. No. But like her mom butting in, trying to get her 10 seconds of fame or whatever. The trendy religion. Mm-hmm. I wrote down, oh my God, Nikki, Nikki's statements read like Trump's speeches. Just <laughs> yes, gen- they do. It's just totally generality. Yes. Well, I like, yeah, I want to have like a charity and like, it's unfortunate all the, well, she's, she uses like the, the, her, the way she talks is like, my life is going to be like a great life and I'm going to do good things for like people. And you're yes. like, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but it's the, it's those words that sound like they, they, sound mean, like something. they mean something. It's like, like they're to- I, totally empty. And- I want to have leadership skills that enable me to, to work towards being gooder for more people to have better, better life lives. Than they have now And that's always been my focus And you're like I think what you said was laudable But I, I'm i not sure I don't think you actually, I don't think you actually anything. said anything yeah. Um, I love I'm Now I'm flying yeah, no, it's um, fine. I love how their friends burn them immediately 
Oh, immediately. The second yeah. they're like, if you have any information about the burglars, oh, no, there's let like me a tell string you, like, of yeah. phone calls. They're like, okay, so their names are Nikki and Mark and Jen. Exactly. <laughs> just, there's zero, there's no three musketeers in here. Yeah, there's man. There's no, it, like... And if the movie, if the movie had given me, I'm telling you, this, this, I honestly think that in a, in a different director's hands, this film would have been hilariously funny. Like a dark parody? A scathing critique of this, of this world, because that is funny. Yeah. Like they're at parties and they're like, yeah, we robbed Paris Hilton. There's, there's funny bits with the, with, um. Uh, her mom too, where they they they're homeschooled. <laughs> yeah. It's all based on the, the teachings secret. of the secret. <laughs> like that's fucking hilarious. That is hilarious. We're, okay, dude, like, like, I'll give this too. And again, this is totally Teresa Formiga and Emma Watson. I can't give credit to Sophia no. Coppola because the movie enraged me. But like when they're sitting on the couch and she's like, "What are some things? Who are some people that you admire?" And they're like, "Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Jolie." And they're like, "What do you admire about Angelina Jolie?" Her husband. <laughs> right. Okay, what else? what else? Her hot bod. <laughs> You're just like, oh, God. This oh, God. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, fun, that's funny. But you just give me more of that. Make it more uh, of a dark comedy or a parody. Or a, but no, it's, none of it's there. Um, the, twice in this movie, we see the mom hand out. Oh, my God, Carl. Give this movie, give this movie and these actors to the Coen brothers. You know, I, I you know, fuck you. This would be I have brilliant. This would be so. It's in a, here somewhere. Do you have a Coen Brothers note. I have a Coen Brothers note. <laughs> wants like wants to be the Coen Brothers or old Coen Brothers where art thou or something be, like. Man. That. I'm telling you, like if you gave this to the Coen Brothers, they'd yeah. they'd just they'd slay. Absolutely. This this is right in their wheelhouse of like using because pe- raising Arizona is funny because um uh hi and his wife. And John Goodman are all playing straight the whole time, but yes. the absurdity of what they're doing is hilarious yes. because the Coen brothers show you subtle consequences and also play everything totally dry. But this movie is just too in love with itself, man. Yes. Um, mom handing out Adderall. Yep. That is. All right. Morning Adderall. That's a thing. It, it, yeah. When the we little. talked about it. It's- mom, can I have a 20 milligram Adderall? Yeah, totally. And then she just t- hands him out. And then I look at this note, prison, show it to me. Why won't you go deeper? <laughs> go deeper. Show me the prison. And then uh, interview at the end. Nothing was learned. No one has changed. Utterly. At all. And maybe even more, they might be even worse for it. Like. Yeah. Because now they're famous. Because now they're famous. Yeah. It's. <laughs> Fuck this movie. I'm done. I'm done with the bling ring. Yeah. So. I have more notes, but I don't no, care. If there's any that you. Anything else you um, want to get? Not even anything, because sometimes I write funny notes because that's how my brain works. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie, I loved Vir- I loved the book, The Virgin Suicides by Jeffrey Eugenides. I absolutely loved it. I it, it is it is okay. The Virgin Suicides, the book, is what this movie should have been if the Coen Brothers had had done yeah. it. It is bleak. Oh yeah, Mike. What? What's the thesis? Is that the thesis that America has a sick fascination with the, the Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde, Clyde kind thing? of thing? I don't know. But well, that that same speech is where he says, "I was just really worried that I wasn't as attractive as other people," yeah. which he says three times to the therapist. But man, I don't know. Like, it, I, I want the the my brain tells me that this is a parody and a critique. But the film does not support a reading as a, as a parody or critique. The film is a celebration of these kids yes. and of their life because it strips away all of the consequences for their actions and it gives us, it gives us no... 
There's no depth. There's no, no. goddamn depth. This movie's so fucking shallow. It 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 reads on paper like a critique, but when you watch it, it's just this infuriating feeling that the director's like, "Look how fun parties are." Because we we hang with that so much. Ah, maybe it's because it might be because we watched Marie Antoinette and this back to back, and both are about decadent, spoiled children. And could bo- be, and both of them applaud. The decadence and the spoiledness. We don't see the head in the basket, and we don't see the fucking no. kids in, in prison. We don't see prison. We don't see, like, you don't get to fucking sit at my table. Give me your lunch. Right. You know, like, we don't see that shit. No. We don't see... God damn it, you have Emma Watson. Show me Emma Watson alone in a cell at night. You want to give me one of your long, I'm Sofia Coppola, let's shoot five five minutes of a, of a static frame with a slow pan in? Let Emma Watson do work at night in prison by herself. Show me you got sound design guys for fucking days. Give me like someone else crying. Yes. Give me some screaming. Give me a loud bang. Give me prison at two thirty in the morning. Yes, I want. That's what I want to see. I want to see Emma Watson like sit up in her cot, lay back down in her cot, start to cry quietly. Show me that these kids are people and not. God damn it. Okay, now I'm getting mad. We gotta get out. You gotta go. We gotta get out. We're gonna have a diehard five. (laughs) We gotta get out. We gotta get out of this. This Um, lives on the shelf with some. Did you buy this? You didn't buy this, no, did you? No, thank God. Okay. I did not. Yeah. No, this is a $3 Amazon Prime rental. No, so. no. Uh, here, in answer to your question, no. I do not recommend The Bling Ring okay. to anyone. Fair enough. I, man. Nor do I. But I'm glad I'm glad I watched it, but I, I watched it so you don't have to. <laughs> if you want to have a conversation like Max and Carl just had, go ahead and spin The Bling Ring. Yeah. But... But, there, but I also you know, know that there are five star reviews for this movie on this, IMDb. I would so. spin this movie again. I would spin this movie again, but only if I could watch it with someone that age and see what their reaction yeah. is to it. I would. I would screen this, like do like a little scientific study. Be like, welcome. Here's your clipboard, and I, here's your seriously. S- sit down with like five or five or six sixteen year olds and be like, okay, who here's, is your favorite character? Yeah. Why? Here's your popcorn. I've got pizza too. We're gonna watch today. We're gonna. Okay. Sophia Coppola's the director. It's called The Bling Ring. Emma Watson's in it. You might remember her from the Harry Potter films. Now here we go, and we play it. And at the end, I'm like, so what'd you take away from that? I would be fascinated. I, fascinated to see what 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 kids thought yeah. of this movie because hmm. i'm 28 man i'm yeah. not in this world i mean i'm so, i'm clearly how, not sophia coppola is what like 40 something she's a little older than i am i think she's born in 73 oh, man, i don't know i don't know like again she's in her it, 40s it feels like i think you're right this movie in particular and marie antoinette too feel in a weird way like arrested development like i wish i was a little girl again like childhood fantasy stuff at the same time I will give her props as a filmmaker because I think Marie Antoinette is one of the most gorgeous movies I've ever seen. It's real and pretty. I, I loved The Beguiled, and we'll see if I if it holds right. up as in my memory. But dude, Lost in Translation is a, a maniacally good movie. I love that movie, so I I still give her good filmmaker status. But boy, are her films fucking hard for me to watch. They're yeah. really challenging. Except The Beguiled. These are the newer ones. Loved that movie. Beguiled is the newest. Bling Ring came out before that. 2013, yeah. Um, Marie Antoinette was 20. Yeah, it's before 2005 that. or something. So like that. I feel like maybe it's the 2000s that I'm not. I don't know, man. Because Lost in Translation is 90s. Something. Virgin Suicide is 90s. Yeah, I don't know. It, no. Well, that's the thing, though. Um, Sensibilities changed too, because techni- I mean, we didn't have. You Facebook know what's then. weird is 90s films are just in general. Like I, I love movies from the 90s. 
I've been thinking that recently too because we've been watching quite a few of them recently with the Penny Marshall that we're doing for the, the um, Patreon this Patreon. month. We're doing two Penny Marshall. Yeah, those movies. are both ninety one and ninety three, and those are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking of like the Miramax movies. My favorite, yeah, my favorite, the, clerks, the my favorite chunk of movies in history is Miramax from like eighty five to ninety nine. Yeah, I love those movies. And New Line Cinema, like that. Fuck. Yeah, man. I mean, there's there was something in the water. There was, I think it was the indie sensibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some directors I've seen. You see some directors when they get money, they go downhill. Yeah. They need a they need to struggle a little bit to work. Don't I mean? Obviously, don't spoil me. But it, you, if it sound it sounds like the Virgin Suicides had some money troubles. Maybe that worked in Sofia Coppola's favor. Mm-hmm. I know Lost in Translation was not a huge. Well, you don't know how movie. I feel about Virgin Suicides yet. I don't. I don't, which <laughs> I'm, I, but I, man, I don't know. It, it got a criterion release. Yeah. It's based on a book that I absolutely love yeah. and it launched her career. So I'm, you know, like we have lost in translation because of the virgin suicides. Exactly. So I don't know. I, I'm hoping that that is, that's something that there's something there, even even if it's the spoilers, there there is. Okay, yeah. good, 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 good. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Um, All right. We are a listener-supported podcast, and if you want to support the show, you like what we do. Uh, we're not People always can't see me dancing. We're not always this negative. Guys. I'm <laughs> no. telling you, like this is a this is a film-specific. I feel like this whole month has been a Debbie Downer so far. Like, oh, I, love, I have I haven't liked a single movie that we've watched. I know so you have. Yeah, I know you haven't. And and I'm actually kind of with you on the last two. I still. I, I'll, st- I'll probably like watch I said, it. I will go back and watch The Beguiled again. Give it another spin. Yeah, I need, Let I me need know what to you think. Um, but if I you keep thinking about it, so. if you yeah. like what we do and uh, you want to get uh, Patreon episodes, for example, we're doing two, we're doing Penny Marshall movies this month. We're doing Big and A League of Their Own. You can head on over to Patreon.com/slash Quill and Film. Well, this is the first time we've brought the new. Yeah, I did. I finally changed the name, so <laughs> it's all getting unified. Q U I L L. A-N-D-F-I-L-M. That's patreon.com slash quillinfilm. If you want to drop us a line, if you think the bling ring is fucking awesome, honest, I'm not I'm not joking. If you think this movie's great. I want to hear about it. Seriously. Tell, tell me why. And not to bust your balls. Like, yeah, legit. Show me. I'm, I'm saying this movie's not for me, but it might be for someone. And if it is, I want to know why. So uh, measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. Drop us a line. We'll read your email on the air if you want. We'll shout out your name. We'll do I'm, a mailbag as soon as you start getting mail. That's all right. <laughs> I am very, very <laughs> curious about people's responses to this movie, man. Yeah. Um, it, it was well-reviewed in Entertainment Weekly and Vanity Fair and all yeah. those. Pl- so, I mean, there's got to be something. So, Tell me what it is, goddammit. Um, so we like, to, we like to shout out our patrons, uh, John Shiby, Casey Shiby, over in Anwasi. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We really, really appreciate it, guys. Honestly, like honest to God, we appreciate you so much. Um, we would also like to thank... Yeah, Danielle Pelshaw, I'd like to thank you oh so very much, my dear, for allowing me the time to watch these movies. Hasn't been as challenging this month as, as other months. She's watched most of these with me. Did she watch The Bling Ring? Uh, she, she was in and out of the room. She's like, what the fuck is yeah. this movie? Okay. She was like, <laughs> okay. I can't. She's like, I can't even. One of this money. Can you watch Straw Dogs? I'd rather see Amy getting like, You're like, come on, Danielle. Over. It's like, chill, slut, right. bitch. What are you fucking bitch? <laughs> like, can they shut up? I think at one point from the kitchen she's like can they just shut up for a second <laughs> you're like yeah but Paris at least Paris Elton's not Paris, talking right um yeah and we would also like to thank 
Connor Sweeney. Connor, thank you so much. I'm I'm glad you weren't here for this episode. Buddy. Seriously. Yeah, we don't we want to make you watch the good fun ones. Yes, the good ones. Absolutely. Um interesting uh note. So we mentioned the Bechdel test on our Die Hard Five episode, which Connor recently listened to. Yeah. And uh, he is currently in a production of Fun Home at the Old Town Playhouse, which was based on the uh graphic novel uh by Fun house is yeah, it called? Fun, fun home. Fun home. Funeral home is like the fun home. So oh, got it, got it, got it. The graphic novel used to call. So he was like, "Did you know that the Bechtel test that you're talking about is actually was created by the author of Fun Home that I'm in right now?" Like, holy shit! Do you have dates for that? For what? For fun house. For fun home. Fun home. It's gonna be done by the time this comes out. Okay. But um, you should definitely go see it. It's really, really good. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you said it was one of the best musical theater productions you'd ever seen. Period. This is, yeah, we live yeah. in a very awesome town. So I just want to shout out Connor, and he's an amazing actor. He is. Uh, I worked with him in a Shakespeare production. Midsummer Night's Dream. Midsummer, yeah. First time I ever saw him. Um, but this is a, for, dude, I just want to shout him out as an actor, shitty. man. No, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's different when you work with somebody, and then you're in an audience, and you're watching them. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, the the man is, is f- highly fucking talented, so... Mm-hmm. He's yeah. He was on. I was joking earlier. He was honestly great. He's super yeah. great. And I would shout person. my sister out, but she's not a patron. So yeah, she's also decent in the show. She in, was great. Decent. She, my sister's Half- in the show. Passable. Palatable. 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 <laughs> all right. Um, but anyway, that's my shout out for Connor. Love so, the dude. So that's that. That's all we've got. So um, we go from like busting his balls to like sucking his dick. Yeah, yeah. That's our See? new thing. Our new that's thing. our new thing. Season just two. It's just gonna be like choking his cock. <laughs> Oh, ladies, if you want to get after Con, I think he's married, isn't he? Oh, he is. He has a beautiful <laughs> wife. All right. Anyway, yeah, let's get so the fuck out it. of here. We've done enough time on this thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Um, don't watch the bling ring. Mm.